Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, my name is Miranda Wright, and this is day 36 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to learn how to seek the Lord. Our times of seeking are the most important times that you will spend in prayer. And it's not something that I can really do with you over podcasts because it consists of a lot of listening and waiting on the Lord. But today I will instruct you in how to seek the Lord for yourself why it's so important, and the severe effects of the church's lack of discipleship in this area. Remember that the Bible never said go out and make church members, go out and make recruits, go out and make special groups. It said go out into all the world preaching everything that I have taught you and make disciples. Of course, the word disciple is a disciplined student of the words and teachings of Jesus Christ. However, we have to understand that applies both to Logos, the written word of God, and Rhema, the spoken word of God, because you see, Jesus died to make a way to atone for us, to wash us clean with his blood, that we might be able ourselves to go boldly before the throne of grace, receive his Holy Spirit and hear from him directly, that we no longer have to go through a priest system, but that we can sit and be taught by the Holy Spirit himself. Therefore, do we have to recognize that really the true purpose of discipleship is to teach someone how to hear the voice of God, because once that they can hear clearly and discern what is of God and what is not, then will they be able to seek him themselves, receive his word and instruction, new revelation, and take their place as an effectual part in the body of Christ. Therefore, if you are not being instructed in how to hear from the Lord for yourself, you are not being discipled. And disciple was the original name for Christian or those who seek to be like Christ because remember that Christ himself said I do nothing except that I hear it from the father first of course faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that is why it says in the scripture that when Abraham heard God's word and had faith in it stood in it believed it it was counted unto him for righteousness because it caused him to be in right standing with God therefore if we are saved By grace through faith, we cannot have faith until that we have first heard a word from the Lord. And how can we say that we have heard if we have not sought? So Lord, teach us how to seek you every day for every situation and circumstance that we might know your instruction, that we can walk in it and be in right standing with you in all things. My friend, if you learn how to seek the Lord, You will save yourself a lot of time and heartache and trouble and trial because that the Lord is willing to instruct in righteousness and in wisdom. He will show you all the pitfalls of the enemy. You will not waste your energy or your time laboring in the works of your own hand, but you will understand what the Lord is saying if you will start praying and learn how to seek the Lord. It's so important, church. It's part of the reason that Christ died so that we might have this ability, this access to him directly. And so today I'm going to teach you how to hear from God for yourself. 
Because you see, my friend, the church was never meant to work the way that much of it does, where millions of people spend their week in trial and travail, and then they come in once a week or less so that they can come and get a word from a man that they hope spent time seeking the Lord so that they can blindly follow it. When in reality, the body of Christ is supposed to function as just that, a body, all members functioning together to see what the mind of the Lord is. So that each member should be seeking the Lord all week. That when they come together, the things they share with each other will all fit together perfectly like the joints of all the different members of the body so that we can see the big picture. And the word of the minister who has truly sought the Lord should confirm and clarify the word that has been coming forth through all of the body, the congregation. In our church, we have intercessory prayer and worship every Saturday night. But it's not just a place of prayer and worship. It's a place of equipping, activating, and training the body. Because that after we have spent time in his presence, hearing him, praying and interceding for others, seeking the Lord in worship and in prayer and in communion with him, do we come together and everybody shares what the Lord has revealed to them so that we can get the big picture of what the Spirit is saying to the body. And it is always a profound and perfectly timed word from the Lord, though nothing was pre-planned or programmed. It always comes forth in clarity and perfection, bringing deliverance and encouragement there is nothing that can compete or compare to an on-time word from the Lord in season confirmed throughout the members of the body so that no demon in hell can convince you that this came from any other source but the Lord God Almighty because men cannot truly work together in and of themselves but by the submission to the spirit that they all be led by the spirit in the unity thereof we strive to train our people to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord because we understand that if a person or a people do not understand how to hear from the Lord themselves, they will be led astray. Because you see in the Bible when it talks about the word of God, in the original Greek there were two words that translated into the English as the word word. Those two words, of course, were logos and rhema. Logos being the written word, like the scriptures, the Bible that we read, and rhema being the right now present tense spoken word of the Lord, that still small voice that you hear. But yet the logos and the rhema are two edges of that double-edged sword. It is one sword, but it has two edges. It cuts two ways. The logos, the written word of God, is our discernment, and the rhema spoken word of God is our attack, our action, our direction. And if a person has one without the other, they will at some point be led astray. Because when we look at the Logos written word of God, the scripture, we understand that it is all truth. But without the rhema to decipher it or interpret it to us or to help us to understand the time and the season and what applies to us in the season that we are in, we will be confused and confounded by the enemy. Because the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that to everything there is a time and a season. For example, we can open the Logos written word of God and we can read that by his stripes we are healed. If there be any sick among you, bring them to the elders and let them be anointed with oil and lay hands on them and pray for them and they shall recover. So we read that there is healing in the power of Jesus Christ, but yet we also read in that same Logos word that it is appointed unto every man wants to die. So if I am sick and I open the Logos word and I read 
by his stripes I am healed. And I also read that it is appointed unto man once to die. If I do not have the rhema to speak to me and tell me directly which applies to me in the season of my life that I'm in, then I will think that the word contradicts itself. But it does not. Because when God gives that word, when I seek the Lord, and he speaks that word forth that says you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Then I can stand in faith on the word that I have heard and know that though it is appointed unto man once to die, this is not my season to die. It is my season to live and declare the works of the Lord. Therefore do I need both sides of the sword, the logos and the rhema, the written and his spoken present tense word that brings you into all truth the revelatory power of the Holy Spirit to speak forth to you that you might know the times and the seasons in which you are in. And so is it the other way around also, that if you hear something spoken in Rhema, but you do not have the Logos written word, you will eventually be deceived because the Bible says that many spirits are going out into the world and that we ought to test the spirits to know whether or not they be of God. Just because you heard a voice doesn't mean it was the voice of the Lord. The enemy has a voice too. In fact, all spirit has a voice because voice is spirit. So the only way that we can truly know if what we have heard is truly God is if it lines up with the word of God, the written word of God. Because the Bible also says that the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide even between the soul and the spirit, the soul being the mind, the will, and the emotion, and the spirit being the voice of God. Therefore, only the word of God can discern between whether or not what you are hearing is coming from the Holy Spirit or is coming from your own emotions, your own mind, or your own will. What you want, what you think, what you feel. So you understand, my friend, the importance of learning how to seek the Lord rightly to be able to discern what is truly coming from him, from our own soul, or from another spirit. My friend, I implore you with the love of the Lord, do not believe the word of any prophet or even anything that you heard within your own spirit. Until you have first sought it out in fasting and prayer and allowed the Lord to confirm it in his written word. Because in this are many brought into error. And also don't assume that you can move in all faith and understanding relying solely on the written. Except that you receive the divine interpretation and application by the spoken, by the spirit of the living God. The very Holy Spirit of truth that Jesus said he would send to bring us in to all truth. You need both Logos and Rhema. Therefore, when you hear Rhema, you need to seek him for the Logos. And when you find it in Logos, you need to seek him for the Rhema. We have to learn how to seek the Lord. Now we understand that everything in our Christian walk comes by faith. We are saved by faith. We are sanctified by faith. We are empowered by faith. We move in miracles by faith. We walk into promise by faith. We will see heaven one day by faith. But we understand that we can also put faith in the wrong things. And so the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, do we have to seek him for a word to have faith in or else our faith is in the wrong things? The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Therefore, those who come to him must recognize that he is God 
which encompasses the reality that he is smarter, he is wiser, he sees all, he knows the big picture, and we can't assume to know or rely on ourselves or what we think we know, what we think we feel, or what we think we want, or what we think is right. We have to come and seek him to find out what he says is right. Which is why the very next line to that verse says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Stop relying on a man to hand feed you. We're not babies. We have to learn how to reach out and grab that meat from the master's hand and start to eat. Or you will be led astray. Because one day somebody's going to come who's led of another spirit. And he's going to say a lot of things and your soul's going to want to hear it. And it's going to cause you to fall away from the faith if, if you don't know how to personally seek the Lord for what he has to say. My friend, I'm teaching you something today that will help you to be able to stand no matter where you are. No matter how alone you may be. No matter how crooked or confused or deceived the whole world around you may be, you can stand in the truth if you know how to seek the Lord. God tells us in his word to seek and you shall find when you seek for me with all of your heart. So my friend, the first thing I have to tell you is that you're going to have to set aside some time. You're going to have to shut everything off and shut everyone out and find some time to get alone and wait upon the Lord because you will find him when you search for him with all of your heart. There was a time in my life when I began to become very busy and my mind became busied with all of the things that I needed to do. And when I would sit to pray and to seek the Lord, I would start thinking about all these other things things that I needed to do and I was having trouble pressing through and finally the Lord just broke through and he spoke to me and he said if you cannot give me your undivided attention it's because your heart is divided so I tell you my friend if we cannot find time for the Lord to wait upon him to seek his face then we need to examine our heart because something else has it the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you look up the original Greek word there translated to mind, it's actually the word for soul, which applies also to the heart. So a double soul, double-minded, double heart. A person with a heart divided is unstable in all of his ways. Do not think that the Lord will do anything for this person is what the scripture says. Jesus said that the greatest commandment of all was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And that if we do this, we will automatically fulfill all the other laws and commandments of the prophets. Therefore, the first thing that we have to do to be able to hear the Lord is to come before him with an undivided heart, undivided attention, to be willing to set aside that time to shut everything else out, to shut everything off and to get in that quiet place where we can talk to him and then wait for a response. We have to learn how to listen. How often do we come before him and lay our petitions and never wait to listen? All we're doing is pouring out the problems but never receiving the solution. It is not wrong to lay our petitions before the Lord, but it is more important to seek the Lord for his will and instruction on what to do about these things. Or else we run the risk of just becoming murmurers and complainers like the Israelites in the wilderness. We never seek him for his answer or for his way and then we continually complain about the situation that we're in. I think he gets very tired of hearing our murmuring and complaining when he is so willing and so ready to give us the answer. 
but we are not willing and ready to hear it. Because very often the situations that we're in or because of something that we have done, some sin we've entered in or some wrong steps we have taken. And unless we are willing to humble ourselves, seek his face, get that word from him and come into agreement and alignment with it that we might turn from our wicked ways. He will not be able to then step into the situation. That's why the Bible says, if you will do these things, then I will hear from heaven and will heal your land. I will step in and fix it all for you. But you've got to humble yourself. Seek my face so that I can tell you what it is that you're doing wrong so that you can then repent of it. And then I will step in and fix everything you've messed up. We've got to learn. How to seek the Lord. I think the problem is, is that the church spends way too much time commanding God to serve them than they do seeking him to find out how they can serve him. My friend, we can't ask God to take our side. We need to find out what we need to do to take his. And then we will move in all of the power and victory of it. In fact, as I was seeking the Lord one day, he began to speak to me and tell me to make sure that I don't just lay the petitions out, but that I come to him and seek him to hear from him. Because the seeking, the prayer that he was calling me to daily was not something to invoke or provoke his ability, but it was more for my protection because in the seeking, he could direct me that I might walk around all the snares and traps of the enemy and be able to fight more effectively. And to this end, he spoke some words to me that I think would be good for us all to remember. He said, pray because you need to hear me, not because I need to hear you. The Lord knows our need before we even ask it. It's us that needs to know his. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, do we have to seek to hear the word of God so that we can walk in faith in it? I know I repeat this a lot, but I want it to get in your spirit. Because true faith can move mountains. True faith can do the impossible. True faith will change this world. Problem is, is that many do not walk in true faith because that they have not heard, because they have not sought the Lord. They're having faith in what somebody told them. They're having faith in what they feel, what they think, or what they want. But we have to learn how to seek the Lord, to hear from him before we can ever truly have faith. But once we have, we can move in faith in what he has spoken, in what he has shown us, in what he has revealed to us. And he will send all the power of heaven to back that up. When we get into right standing and righteousness, when we get into alignment with his will and his word and his plan and his path and his destiny for us, all of heaven moves. All the armies of heaven rush in to bring that thing about and we begin to see the book of Acts all over again. My friend, I think it's quite sad that Leonard Ravenhill said this, but I quite agree with him. He said that when we compare the modern church to the New Testament church, we have to recognize that we have become so subnormal that if we ever became normal, we would think it was abnormal. Where is the New Testament church? Where is the church that was built on faith? Do you know why that church was so powerful? Because they had to seek the Lord. Their very lives depended on it. They didn't have all the resources that we have. They didn't have all the ministers and the conferences that we have. They didn't have all of the programs and the props that we have. They didn't have all of these other things to rely upon. So they had to seek the Lord. And when they heard from the Lord, they believed it and walked in it and they turned the world upside down. My friend, it is possible now. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. Our faith has changed because that the people are not seeking. Therefore, what they are believing is not from the Lord. Therefore, does he not endorse? And so to force the people to believe that he does, they have to put up all the smoke and mirrors and lights and performances and entertain. 
because entertainment is a counterfeit for the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Therefore, the church has traded its strength for entertainment. Because my friend, you will never know a greater joy or strength than when you have pressed in and pressed through and sought the Lord and he has revealed something to you and then you walk it out in faith and then he proves that word to you and and proves his approval of that word through you because that you have believed. It brings you joy and it brings you strength, but it's missing in the church today. Therefore, do we replace it with entertainment and lights and smoke and presentations and performance? Oh, people of God, I have seen him move more mightily. And little middle of nowhere's backwood churches, house churches, in street worship and around campfires than many have seen in many a heavily equipped ministry. And that's not to say that those things in and of themselves are inherently wrong, but, but that it makes it so easy for people to depend on that rather than to seek the Lord. Where is the church of the New Testament? Where is the church that is built on faith by a people who have sought God on their face? I see churches built on entertainment. I see churches built on flattery. I see churches built on Pharaoh's chariots and connections. I see churches built on Herod's money and provision. I see churches built on the Pharisees' leaven and desire for attention, but not on the foundation of the word of God. The Logos and the Rhema working together that his will might be accomplished in this earth. Just like Jesus showed us. Because that the people have stopped seeking God and started seeking power, personality, flattery, prosperity, popularity, programs, platforms, vanity, vanity, vanity. It's all vanity, church. Do nothing in vanity, church. Everything of this world is going to burn. And the only thing you're going to have when you stand before the throne of God is your relationship with him and the souls that you helped bring in because that you have sought him and believed and followed his instructions completely. That you worked effectively in the time and season in which he had commissioned you and positioned you because you were born for such a time as this. And we will all give account for the time that we have been given and the position that we were called to walk in. But did we seek him to find out what it is? You know, when the disciples brought Jesus to the temple and they said, look at this beautiful building, look at what they have built for God, expecting that he had never seen it. Therefore, he would be in awe of the works of man's hands. And his reply to them was, there will not be one stone of this left upon the other. God is not impressed by our big buildings, our big ministries, our big performances, our big crowds. He's not impressed by any of it because he knows that it's only temporary. And in the end, it's all going to burn and we will have nothing to show for it. But the souls that we did not earn for the kingdom because that we have not sought his face. Jesus was trying to bring the revelation to them that nothing in this life will work but faith in the word of God so seek him for that word and believe we've got to learn how to seek the Lord now the Bible also says that God knows that we have need of certain things he knows that we have need of food and clothing and a shelter over our head it says but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness righteousness again meaning to be in right standing with God in other words seek him for what he wants us to do when he wants us to do how he wants it 
us to do it. Therefore, that we can be right where he wants us, in right standing, doing what he says is right. And when we do that, he will cause everything else to fall into alignment. He will bring us what we need as long as we seek him because he is all we need. That's why the scripture that says he will supply all our need is a singular word, need, not needs. He will supply all our need because that he is all that we need. There is one path that he has set out for us. And if we are walking that path, then every other thing that he has designed for us will intersect with us. But when we deviate from that path and go looking on our own, we will miss the things of God. Now, I know, my friend, there are some of you out there who seek the Lord diligently. And I'm not doing like Elijah and implying that there are none while God says, hold on, wait a minute. I have 7,000 that have not bent the knee to bail. But I'm telling you, my friend, they are too few and too far between. It's time that the church gets on their knees and learns how to seek the Lord so that they can be more than this poor, broken down, fake crown, dressed up, self-obsessed harlot of a church with no real worth in the earth and become the bride of Christ purified, made white, washed by the water of the word, the bride that Christ deserves. It's time to seek the Lord. My friend, I can't tell you the times I've seen somebody that decided, you know what, I want to be used by God. I need a pulpit. I need a platform. I need money. And immediately they want somebody to position them before men. And they don't understand how they enter in. What do they do to find their place in the kingdom? Because they think that they need all these things that are made by the hands of man. It truly amazes me that people will beg for money standing in a million dollar building to preach a sermon about a homeless man who had to borrow a penny to illustrate his sermon. Some of you don't even know what I just said. And that's what's sad because it's not your fault that you have not been fed. I'm talking about Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible who the Bible says had no place to lay his head. Did you know that he was homeless? He had nothing. Jesus, who said that to do the Father's will was his bread. In other words, it was more important than having food. It didn't matter that he didn't even have food to eat as long as he had heard a word and was walking out the Father's will in obedience. Jesus, who had to borrow a penny to use in his sermon illustration because he had none himself. Then he gave it back. And we want to stand in million dollar buildings, in thousand dollar suits, and preach how we need all of these things to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and convince the people that they are of no effect unless we have all these things. My friend, that is not the message that Jesus brings. It is not performance, skill, talent, or flash that breaks the yoke of bondage. It is the anointing, the anointing of God. It is the only thing that will break the yokes. And it comes from a place of prayer once you have sought the Lord and found him there. But the problem is, is that we're not seeking the Lord because that we're so busy seeking a man that we believe has already done the work or seeking the next personality that keeps us laughing or seeking the best entertainment with the most talent. But there is no life changing power. There is no yoke being broken. There is no holy anointing. There is an unholy one. There is one that feeds your flesh. Because the holy anointing of the living God will kill your flesh and bring your spirit to life. 
but there is an unholy anointing that, that will grieve the Holy Spirit and bring your flesh to life. Let me tell you, my friend, when you stand before God on the day of judgment and we try to give that excuse that there was no time to seek the Lord, my friend, it is not going to fly because he's going to say you had so many years on this earth and it's what I put you there to do and you had no time to seek the Lord. The reason we have no time to seek the Lord is because we're so busy seeking after everything else, seeking after money, after props, after entertainment, after prosperity, after attention, after comfort, after ease, after some pattern or formula that will obligate God to serve us rather than getting on our knees and seeking God for how we can serve him. Any other way but God's way. Any way to not have to seek his face and stand in faith on what he has to say. Any other way. We want it instant. We want it quick. We want it now. Just tell us what to do. We want to see miracles, but we want to do it by the works of a law and not by the hearing of faith like the Bible says. If you're going through a motion, if you're looking for a pattern, if, if you're searching for a formula, if you're copying what you saw before, be careful, my friend, because you will move into divination. You cannot invoke a move of God. It comes only by the hearing of faith. So get on your face and seek the Lord. Because until you've heard that word, gotten the instruction and moved exactly in it, then we are trusting in our own soul. And the Bible says that this knowledge is devilish. It comes from devils because your soul is what is influenced by the enemy. What I want, what I think what I feel, what I think should be done, what I want to be done, what I feel ought be done. It's self-righteousness because it is not what the Lord has said is right. In order to walk in the righteousness of God, you have to seek the Lord. God, raise up a people that will pray. Stop seeking the quick answer. Get on your face and seek the Lord. Because when he commissions you, he will position you. If you've got to move to position yourself, it's because he never commissioned you. You need to humble yourself and seek the Lord. Because when he sends you, he will go before you and make a way. He will open all the doors when you have faith in the words that you've heard him say. But if you've got to pry them open, it's because you did not seek the Lord. You've moved on before him. I've determined to be like Moses and sit in the tent and say, Lord, I'm not moving unless you go with me. You go before me or I'm not going at all because if you're not there, then we're no different than the world. The church house will end up being no different than the clubhouse if you are not there. It's all vanity, vanity, vanity. I will seek the Lord and I will be where you are until you get up and go before and I will follow my friends, when God gave Moses the instructions on how to build the tabernacle, the instructions were, were so detailed down to the very inch that Moses had to follow those instructions intently and exactly. And if he had deviated from what God had instructed in any way, form, or fashion, he would have built something that the Spirit of the living God would not have come and inhabited. I want the Lord to inhabit because unless the Lord build the house, he that buildeth laboreth in vain. And I want to build something that the Lord will inhabit. So I will wait and I will seek his face and I will get the instruction and I will not move until that I have. And people, I can tell you that in my life, when I have applied this truth, I have seen him move mountains. There is nothing our God cannot do. He can do it. 
but we've got to humble ourselves and seek him so that he can rightly walk us through it. The church has become so dependent on the tools of Egypt because that they have not been taught how to seek the Lord. You say you want to be used by God, but you have no means because if you will seek the Lord, he will tell you exactly where to go, what to do and what to say. And you will see the anointing show up and break yokes and souls saved. You say you want to be used of God, but you have no means. My friend, you've got what the apostles had. You've got feet. Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. And if you don't have feet, then you're in luck. Because now you can minister all day without even standing up. With blogs and social media and the like, you can do something for Christ. He has a place and a position for you. You just have to seek him to find out what it is. He might be calling you to be part of the greatest ministry, that ministry that is done in the unseen place of prayer. You are needed, friend. Prayer warriors are awfully rare. Real ones anyway, not the prideful, boastful t-shirt troops that advertise what they do not do. Real prayer warriors that tear down strongholds, disarm principalities, set hell aflee and command angel armies, break atmospheres over regions, destroy hell's kingdoms, and cause the faithless to believe without ever being seen. There is a place for you in the kingdom. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him early while he may be found. Seek him with all of your heart and you shall find. He will reveal secrets to you that will amaze you. He will pour things into you in the secret place and then send you out to pour it back out. How are you going to pour out on others what has not first been poured in? You must be filled up before he can use you to pour out. Get in prayer and seek the Lord. He has a place and a plan for you. He will make a way where there is no way, but you will never find it if you don't seek his face. It's time for God's people to pray. How are we going to have revival without the reviver? We've got to humble ourselves, seek his face. Repent of our wicked ways and then he will hear from heaven and heal our land. What does that mean to even seek his face? We've got to humble ourselves and recognize that we cannot do it. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. What we think is right is not right and it will not win the fight. Therefore, once we have humbled ourselves and recognized that everything that we think we need to do will only bring more death and confusion, then we will get on our face and seek him for what he says is right. Seek his word, seek his instruction, seek his direction, seek his way. And it doesn't matter if it takes all day or a couple of days or 40 days with prayer and fasting. We will not move until we have heard the next step of instructions. And once we have, we will stand in faith on it and go out and accomplish it. And the power of the kingdom will back it up. So that the anointing comes and breaks yokes and bondages and does what cannot be done by the power of our own hand or the tools of the land. We have to seek the Lord. And so my friends, today I'm going to give you some instruction. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you, but I'm going to leave you to pray. Because what needs to be done, you're going to have to do on your own. You and the Lord in your home. We're going to pray together in agreement for the Lord to speak, but then I'm going to leave you to seek. Today, make time for the King. So right now I'm going to give you some instruction. 
The first instructions, we mentioned it before, but you have to give your whole heart to the Lord. So you need to set some time. You need to get away. You need to get shut in somewhere where you can pray. If you've got to lock yourself in your room, if, if you've got to lock yourself in the bathroom or in a closet, this was the principle of the biblical prayer closet. It was usually the innermost part of the house where you could shut the door and get away from everything else and every outside distraction. Sometimes for me, there's more distraction in the house than out of the house. So in that case, it may be good to go for a walk. Sometimes I walk to the river and sit on the river and talk to God. Sometimes if it's just too busy around here, I'll go sit under a tree. Hey, if it was good enough for Deborah, it's good enough for me. Anywhere that you can get alone with your king, that everything else is shut out and you can give him your undivided attention. Find that place and set that time. Turn the phone off. Turn all the distractions off. Sometimes it helps to put a worship song on playing in the background that can kind of drown out the outside noise. I often advise that you let the Lord lead you to one song and put it on loop so that your mind isn't distracted by constantly changing lyrics. Of course, follow the leading of the Spirit because sometimes he'll have me put one song on loop so that I can just have that background drowning noise. And sometimes he will have me just let the playlist play because sometimes he answers my prayers through the words of the song. But follow the leading of the Spirit and I would say more often than not, you need to go ahead and just put it on loop so that you're not distracted by it. But find that place of worship and enter into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart and enter into his gates with praise and worship the King. Because when we worship him, his presence is drawn in. Once you're in that place of worship, pray in the spirit and wait upon the Lord. If you have specific requests, then lay those requests before him or questions that you want answered. And I would say keep it simple so that you don't confuse the answers. Lay a question before him and then wait on the Lord. Seek him for that answer. Listen for that still small voice. Because for me, what I do, I'll shut myself in. I'll put that song on. I will lay my Bible out, my journal out, my pen out. And my phone on silence because I use the phone sometimes to play the worship or to audio record things that he's speaking to me. But I put it on a mode where people can't contact me while I'm in that place of prayer. Because no call is more important than the king's call. And that's the one that I'm really waiting for. So I pray and I praise and I worship. And I wait for the instruction of the Lord. And sometimes he will just speak it forth, in which case I will either record it with my phone or I'll write it in my journal. If you have trouble focusing, sometimes it's easier to write it because you won't get distracted as easily. You're focused on writing. But what he gives me, I will write and then I will pray some more. And he'll usually tell me something like open the Bible and I'll confirm the word. And so I'll open the scripture and the things that I'm reading will rightly confirm everything that he just spoke to me. Now I'll give you a warning. Don't use the Bible as an eight ball. Don't just open it looking for anything because you will get confused very quickly. When he gives you instruction, when you feel that pulling and that leading saying open, when you feel him tell you open, because I found that anytime I waited for him to instruct me to open, when I did everything that I read popped off the page and was an exact answer to what I needed to hear. But in the times that I was just randomly opening because that I didn't have the patience to really seek and wait on the Lord, I got conflicting messages that were confusing until finally the Lord spoke up and said, I never told you to do that. So be patient and wait upon the Lord. 
And the reason I recommend you either recording it or writing it down is because that the devil will tell you that you're just making things up and this is just your own imagination. But in five or six months from now, you can go back and reread what was written or listen to what was recorded and you will be astounded at the way the Lord has brought forth everything that he has spoken and it will give you faith to seek him all the more. So I encourage you to keep a record of everything that you feel he is speaking to you so you can check it later against what he has brought you through. For me, because I am a worshiper and a worship leader, there are times when he will tell me, get up and get on the keyboard or grab the guitar. And then as I'm playing that worship, he will begin to sing to me through me. And the words that come forth will bring such clarity and revelation to the things that he has been saying. And then again, he will always confirm it in his word. We need to learn how to hear from the Lord internally and let it be confirmed externally. But everything that he gives us needs to be gotten in the place of prayer and worship and in seeking. And I will tell you, my friend, that any word that you get that was not birthed out of worship is suspect. Because the devil hates true worship of God. And if you want to silence every other voice, the quickest way to do it is with worship. It runs the enemy off because he wants to be worshipped. And therefore does he hate when we worship God and not him. So he runs from it and it clears the air so that we can clearly hear from heaven. Without disruption, hindrance or distraction. So worship, worship, worship. What comes to you out of that place of worship will be so pure and so clear that it will erase every fear that the enemy has been speaking into your ear because that you will know that you have heard a word from the Lord. And when you know that you have heard, you will be able to stand in faith on it in the face of every lie of the enemy, every attack, every mocking spirit, and everybody else's lack of faith. Once that you have heard because you sought and waited upon the Lord. It's in this time of seeking every day that the Lord gives me the words that he wants me to say for the next prayer podcast. In fact, for the last several years, I've been doing a written blog, morning devotions or articles, teaching lessons, so forth. Um, called the Daily Manna. And for years, this is how I got it. I would wake very early in the morning. I would begin to worship and seek the Lord and pray and praise. And, and then after a time of worship, I would sit there with the Bible and I'd say, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? And sometimes he would speak it very clearly and give me a direction or a title. But most times I would simply open the word at that point and began to read and as I began to read, I would let him begin to bring the revelation forth of what he was saying. And as I would write it out, it would end up being the devotion for the day that would go out to teach others. And they would think that I had such great wisdom and knowledge. But what they didn't realize is that I was seeking the Lord and allowing him to teach me. And then I was just sharing with them what he had taught me that very same day. We were all learning and growing together. He will teach you. He will reveal to you the secret manna. The Bible talks about a secret manna that he will give to those who overcome. He will give you revelation. He will give you breakthrough. He will give you instruction for the fight. He will tell you what to fast, when to fast. He will tell you what to pray, who to pray for, what to say when you meet that person. He will give you words for others that will bring encouragement. But only when you take time to seek the Lord. Because we've got to be filled up before he will ever send us out to pour. So my friend, as we enter in and ask the Lord to come and speak to you each individually, this is your instruction and mandate for today. 
and let it become something that you do regularly every day that you begin to learn how to grab hold of that provision that has been placed on the master's table for you. I think a great problem in our churches today is that there's so many that come into a building to be handed a bottle of milk that somebody else fixed. It's formula because everybody's looking for a formula, something easy, something repeatable, something they don't have to labor to dig up. But let me tell you, my friend, if you want to be fed the real meat of the word of God, then you are going to have to come to the master's table. You're going to have to sit and sup with him, visit with him, commune with him, seek him and let him speak to you. Because it was around that supper table in the Hebrew culture that the head of the household would teach and disciple those of his house. I am teaching you today only because that I am pouring out what he has already poured in in the time that I have spent seeking him. That I have sat at his table and been instructed by him and fed by his hand so that now I can take the loaf out of his hand that he is broken and hand out to all of you. Do you understand that when Jesus broke the loaves and the fishes, he prayed over it, he blessed it, he broke it, but then he placed it in the disciples' hands and said, you distribute it. That's how it works. That's how it always works. You come to him and he will provide that manna. He will bless it. He will break it. He will put it in your hands and then he will send you out to distribute it so that we never have to depend on the unfruitful works of man, but we can have the master's bread instead and share it with the body that they may go and seek and get something to share back with us. The body working together led in unity of the spirit of God because that we have all learned how to seek the spirit so that we can be led thereof. Only those who are led by his spirit are the sons and daughters of God. How can you be led if you have not sought? He is the head. We are the members. He gives the instructions. We carry them out. And when you know that you've heard from the master, it casts out all fear and doubt. So my friends, today we humble ourselves again and we seek the Lord. God, I come before you now and I ask with all grace and mercy that you would have compassion upon your bride, Lord. That she would go hide herself and wait upon her bridegroom. That she would show you how much she loves you and desires you and wants to visit with you because you want to visit with her all the more. Oh God, I pray that you will speak. Open up your mouth and word of God speak. Come forth, O Holy Spirit of the living God, to minister to each heart that as they sit before you with pen and paper and Bible in hand and they begin to worship you and enter in that the King of Glory would come and start to restore their faith in your faithfulness to minister truth and encouragement and correction and direction. God, I pray that all would humble their heart before you and seek your face and seek your word and your will 
that they would lay their questions before you, that they would come to you and say, okay, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do about this? Should I stay or should I go? Should I do this? Do you say yes or no? I need to know. I'm not moving until you move, until you go before me, because if you're not with me, then then we're no different than those of the world. God, we need to walk in your righteousness. What you say is right, and how can we ever hope to know that unless we have sought you? to find out what it is that you would have us do in this time and in this season what have you called us to that we might have faith for you to bring us through God we trust you and we love you and we recognize that you know what we do not know you see what we do not see and you can do what we cannot do so we humble ourselves fully to you and say word of God speak we humble ourselves teach us how to seek. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.